This is Yudaha Cohen, Vision Movement, Vision Magazine, and you are listening to the Next Stage Podcast. Over the last few episodes, uh, especially those dealing with the current tensions within Israeli society over judicial reform legislation, uh, we've skirted around uh, this idea of federalization or separation of Israeli society into uh, different I don't know, cantons, uh, states, you know, there are different ideas floating around. Uh, and uh, I thought maybe we'd hit the issue directly for this episode and really do a deep dive into what this could look like, what it could mean, whether or not it's desirable, whether or not it brings us forward, uh, whether or not we can consider it an advancement beyond Zionism, something that comes after Zionism, or a retreat uh, back to a situation that existed before Zionism. So in order to really dive deep into this question, uh, I've invited uh, Nitzan Amit from the Israel Separation Movement onto the program. Uh, Nitzan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, before we dive in, uh, can you give our listeners a little bit of background about you, who you are, where you come from, and what brought you to where you are right now? Yeah, of course. Of course. So uh, my name is, uh, as you mentioned, Nitzan. I'm 33 years old. I live in Gilatayim, uh, born and raised here in Israel. And um, uh, originally, I grew up in uh, Modi'in, and uh, I studied in the uh, military boarding school in uh, Haifa. I served as an officer in the uh, Paratroopers Brigade. And I have a degree in political science and international relations from the Hebrew University, uh, where I led the uh, Yeshatid Party uh, student group. After I graduated, I started working with uh, in the banking system. I was a banker and an auditor in, uh, in several banks. And for the past three years, I am... Uh, independent uh, in the stock market uh, business uh, I'm doing lectures and uh, I'm managing assets and of course uh, doing my own uh, thing with my uh, with my money and uh, that's about it okay uh, fun fact about me I have a, a black belt in karate I'm sure that looks nice with uh, many outfits yeah Okay, so you started this movement, this idea of separation. Why do you think that's important? I mean, you mentioned that you were active with Yeshatid on campus when you were at Hebrew U. So I assume that given the map you're presenting, you would be planning to live in Israel, not Judea, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm planning to live in the new Israel. But the idea for the separation movement for me uh, is actually pretty um pretty uh new because uh, uh if you would have talked to me uh i don't know two years ago um i probably were was against it and after the recent events in israel uh i came to a realization that um you know it's it just we don't have a future living here uh, as a united uh, society anymore. The differences on the basic values of our society uh, have too too much difference uh, between them. 
Um, some prefer to have a more uh, conservative and religious country and society, and some other part of, of uh, Israelis uh, prefer more secular and liberal uh, country. Uh, as as a as a uh, as a state, not to uh, you know you could be a religious person but still uh, be uh, for uh, separation of state and and religion. So uh, this is a big difference, and I don't I cannot see the solution for it if we continue to live together and. Probably separation will do good for the for both sides. This is what I believe. Uh, in order for Israel to to sustain itself, to uh, you know, to to continue and survive for the next 100 or 200 years, we have to separate uh, forces. Now, just for it to be clear, when you talk about separation, are you talking about? Uh, some kind of federal system where there's a shared layer of identity and shared systems as well? Or are you talking about complete separation to completely different states? Uh, so basically there is um, a five stage uh, solution that we are uh, planning. Uh, the four first stages talk about um, living together but separating st uh, you know part by part uh, first of all doing some uh, uh, union with the uh, liberal cities after that um, we have to uh, make like Scotland uh, the Scotland Act in, in the UK which uh, brought uh, power and, and new parliament and new government for uh, the Scottish autonomy and the fourth stage uh, talks about the uh, uh, federalization of Israel uh, for several cantons. And the, only the fifth stage talk, is talking about the complete separation of the two societies. So when you talk about complete separation, you mean complete separation, two different states that have nothing to do with each other, no shared army, no shared economy, no shared political body, nothing. Yeah, the uh, complete separation. We can well, we can have, uh, you know, cooperation if you talk about um, uh, resources like water and, and, and electricity and, uh, you know, even have um, a pact, like a defense pact, like NATO, the Jewish NATO, I call it, uh, which will allow the, you know, for, for one country to uh, help another country if, it, if it's attacked, but not helping it if it's the attacker, the, the aggressor. So, yeah, but this is a complete separation of the uh, two states two societies has this idea been getting a lot of traction i i don't mean in the media in the media it's been featured quite heavily but uh, what about politicians uh, in the yeshatid party for example where you've been active i don't know if that's where you see yourself today so, politically but yeah no, so, so i'm not a part of the yeshatid party anymore uh for other reasons not not uh it's not uh, uh, within separation movement, 
but uh, I have, uh, so I, I'm not in the Yeshatid party anymore. But yeah, there there is uh, a lot of interest uh, from politicians, from the media, from the public opinion uh, on separation, because this is a, a new kind of of idea for most Israelis. They did not think that it is uh, possible or sustainable up until this year. Uh, they thought that, you know, we can still be united and still uh, live together here for, I don't know, for the uh, you know, next 50 or 100 years. And then uh, we discovered that it is not likely because if you look at uh, economical data and the demographics and even uh, how uh, the IDF is supposed to look in 20 or 30 years, you realize that the alternative for separation is not living uh, uh, united and, and safe here, but is the uh, end of the state of Israel. Uh, there, there will be no state of Israel if you're, we are staying together. That's about it. It's like uh, living with another person uh, in in a house that you cannot get along. Eventually, you will destroy each other. So you better uh, uh, get a solution, some kind of separation, moving to other uh, to other apartment or or you know uh, divide the 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 house that you live in. Can you elaborate on that? Like you mentioned this data, like for example, when you talk about how the IDF will look in a couple of decades, how does that lead you to the conclusion that we need to separate? Like what what does the data show the IDF will look like if we stay together? It's not it's not uh, only the IDF, it's the whole system. Because if you look at the demographics, if you like ultra-Orthodox uh, Jews that uh, do not serve in the army for the most uh, part, and the uh, economical data, which implied from from uh, the demographics, not only ultra orthodox, but also uh, the extreme parts of the national uh, religious, and the economy will be will be much weaker. And uh, when you look at, at the economy, so it affects the army, and the army will not have enough resources to sustain itself. And less and less people uh, will serve in the army. The liberals here in Israel will flee eventually because we will not live in a country that do not respect our values. And uh, you can you can see it even today. A lot of Israelis run away. They move to other countries because they do not feel at home in Israel, in their own homeland. They do not feel at home. And this, uh, this trend will only uh, continue to grow and there will be no, uh, nobody uh, or, or, or almost nobody left to serve in the army. This is the, the situation in 20 years. Liberals will run away, ultra-Orthodox uh, will not serve here in the army because they do not believe it. So who will serve in the army? The, the the population that could serve will be a lot uh, smaller. 
My prediction is a little different from yours. Just uh, first of all, when I served in the army, I served in a unit that was created for Haredim. And I see today, like in Haredi society, it's become much more acceptable to serve in the army than it was 20 years ago. Uh, I think also certain sectors of the economy like tech are very attractive to the Haredi community. Uh, in Jerusalem, for example, there's a very quiet Haredi tech sector that's growing quite impressively. And I think that, look, I'm not Haredi, but I think that the uh, Haredi uh, community is advancing. It's I, I think all the sectors of Israeli society are actually quite dynamic. I don't think any of us are really static. I think we've evolved differently in the last 75 years. And in some ways we've evolved together. And it's not clear where this is going. I do think that uh, as Haredim become more part of society, uh, more part of the army, more part of the economy, more part of the workforce. Uh, I imagine that their positions on uh, national issues will become a lot more extreme. Uh, I, I would actually argue that uh, Kahanism is Tzionut for Haredim, Me meaning when you put when you put uh, Haredi Torah together with nationalism, what you end up with is something very similar to Kahanism. Uh, yeah, there is a trend for a lot of Haredim uh, voting for uh, Ben Gvir. Actually, uh, this is a trend. There yeah. are not the majority of the voters. Uh, there are actually a lot of, uh, you know, not religious, secular people that voted for Ben Gvir. Uh, but yeah, I, I see what you're talking about uh, politically uh, regarding the the uh, Haredim serving in the army. Well, I suppose you uh, served in Netzach Yehuda. No, I'll be honest, when I served in Netzach, this was during the Second Intifada, most of the guys in the unit were not typical Haredi. A lot were from Hebron, a lot were from Gush Katif, a lot were like Norgvaot, because this was before the Gerush yeah. from uh, Gaza, so we still had a lot of Norgvaot in the army, a lot of Nanach guys, like Breslov guys, a lot of Chabad, but there were Haredim, and I think today there are yeah. even more. From what I understand, there are a lot more Hared, like real Haredi Haredim, uh, in the army today uh, than there were even when I served. So as I know it, about 3 to 5% of uh, every uh, age group uh, from the Haredim sector are recruiting for the army. So it is too little. And if there is a trend, it's a very slow trend. Though the uh, Haredic uh, uh, leadership know that every year that goes by a lot more uh in in percentage yeah a lot more uh, uh, Haredi, uh youth becomes over 18 and they gain uh you know every year uh they gain uh, one seat in the knesset so if they will just wait 10 more years so they will have the power to uh, overrule the the uh, laws uh, that make people go to the army, especially um, their sector. Of course, we see them try it even today when they have not the absolute power, but you know they are the government now, and they are trying to um, uh, to to let the Haredim uh, have uh, a pass on the you know joining the army, and when demographics will win when they will be sure that they have the 61 seats in the Knesset. So 
today's act will be, as I see it, will be the, the you know, um, the lower end of it. They will be much more extremist because they do not believe, and also Kanism, uh, do not believe the same values as me, the core values of society. We do not share them anymore. I, I doubt we actually shared some core values uh, in the past. And if we cannot agree on the values, the, the simplest uh, uh, values of, of our society, so we're not the same one. We are separated now, uh, but the only thing that keeps us together is probably the fear or hate for uh, our neighbors. That's all. And you do not build a country out of fear and out of hate because it leads to bad places. Uh, we've seen history how uh, countries that were run by hate uh, ended up. So I, I don't want to live in a country where uh, where hate is the, the main value. And I think you can agree with me on, on this. Uh, and if this is the only, uh, the only thing that keeps us together, so we might as well uh, break the pact and every, everyone will live in peace next to each other as neighbors, as good neighbors. By the way, I do not, uh, in our proposition, we don't talk about a closed border, but on an open border, like the one in, you know, between the Netherlands and, and Belgium. Um, you can wake up in Jerusalem in the morning and go to work in Tel Aviv or in give a time and go back to home to your uh, wife and kids uh, in the evening. There will be no border border uh, control. No, uh, you won't have a passport. You just can go whatever you like. But the law systems will be different. And when you cross the border, you have to respect the laws of the other country. And if I will go to Jerusalem, it will apply to me. I understand what you're saying. Um, I, the truth is, I'm I'm very conflicted on this. I find your idea to be interesting and worth considering i know that a lot of people are frightened by it a lot of people are offended by it a lot of people feel an impulse to reject it uh, out of hand uh, but I, I think it's a serious proposal and it needs to be considered maybe you and i would disagree on some of the details but i think it's a proposal worth considering i, I would say look if we were to stay together like for me the ideal would be that we can stay together in one country but i i see that we're extremely polarized today. Our society is very polarized. I think that beyond hatred for our neighbors, who I think most Israelis perceive as wanting to destroy us, um, beyond that, I, I do believe that both populations share some kind of commitment to Jewish history. I, I do believe that exists on both sides. And perhaps that's enough to keep us together. I don't know. But I think if we were to stay together, there's something that both sides really need to figure out. Uh, first of all, the side that voted for this government, that supports the judicial reform legislation, um, that identifies with people like uh, Bezalo Smotrich and uh, Arya Deri and Itamar Ben-Gvir and Avi Maoz. I think those Israelis 
need to really listen to the fears of the other side and understand what people see when they look at them, uh, if that makes sense. I think that uh, it, it is a completely different worldview. Uh, like you said, it, it completely different values, but that's maybe part of where I see the opportunity here. You know, I, I was actually born and raised in Manhattan, if you've heard of it. It's a small island off the coast of- Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in Manhattan growing up, uh, I grew up, you know, in the 80s and 90s, there was like a very surface level multiculturalism. You know, there were people from uh, East Asia and people from Latin America, and there are white people and black people and Jews and uh, Indians and uh, people from everywhere in the world, in New York City. And everybody is on some level encouraged to embrace a very shallow layer of the identity that they came to the United States with, um, whether it's cuisine, whether it's their accent, but on a deep level, everybody is expected to share the same values and to pursue the same dream, um, to watch NBA basketball and drink Coca-Cola and uh, chase the dollar and send their kids to good university and to just like buy into capitalism and, and liberal ideology. And there's no real space there for a Jew like me. There's no real space there for a serious Muslim. There's no real space there for a Marxist, meaning all of those groups would be outside of what's considered safe, what's considered uh, legitimate, what's considered acceptable, despite the like superficial multiculturalism. So the fact that Israeli society today is experiencing not a clash of politics, meaning I don't think Bezalel Smotrich is a conservative. I don't think Itamar Ben-Gavir is a conservative. I don't think Avi Maoz is a conservative. There's something else. They don't exist on that spectrum. I don't think the Haredim exist on that spectrum either. There, there are certain parties, I'd say, from Avodan, Meretz, all the way to, let's say, Yemina when they're in, or uh, Likud, maybe, half of Likud, that exist along kind of like a linear western political spectrum from liberal to conservative when i say conservative it's not on the political uh, philosophical agenda like you perceive in, in the united states of course conservatives no there are conservative conservatives in in, in uh, the conservative party in, in uh, united kingdom and the republican party in the united states uh there are different kind of conservatives because as i use this word is uh, for a lack of a better word in hebrew to 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 translate it but i have to say that yeah it is a very different kind of of use in the word conservatism um so yeah i i agree with you that there are not absolutely not the same kind of of conservatives as the maybe the uh average american that knows something about politics will will perceive it's it's completely different so not republicans what no no they're absolutely not like if you want to uh have uh something that is similar to to republicans in israel so it's probably something between uh the likud party and the amina as you mentioned them uh, something in between these areas this is definitely not Smotrich and Ben Viren or, or even Arya Deri. Right. I, I would argue that uh, people like Arya Deri or Vitello Smotrich are probably a lot closer to the Muslim Brotherhood than they are to American Christians. Yeah, yeah. Pro probably. I will agree with you. Yeah.
And this is this is actually part of the problem that look what we are we have to uh, to to settle with this is as you said closer to the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, which is the mother of of Hamas, but it sits on our government, and this is very dangerous as I perceive it because you know I I sit with someone that shares the same core values with my probably worst enemies. Um, this is this is very bad. And he, they are running this country right now. So we're in a deep problem. And uh, as you said, well, separation is, is not is not about hating uh, our religion or hating religious people. Uh, definitely not. It is not from hate, but it's from for the love of freedom. Because I, I myself, I really like the Bible. I read it a couple of times. I, I'm not. I, I do not believe in God, but I respect people uh, who do believe it, and 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 I think that this is you know some part of, of the basic rights of, of of human being to believe in whatever religion you want. And this is okay, and you know you can practice Judaism or Mus or Islam or Buddhism or whatever. This is none of my concern and none of the state's concern what religion you are uh, practicing. And of course, if I'm not religious, so this is none of, of the country's or state's uh, concern what I do not practice. Because in Israel now, there, there is of course the status quo um, that denies me a lot of basic rights, like... Uh, the right to get married, as I see it, the right to get uh, to, to uh, freedom of movement uh, in uh, Shabbat. Uh, if if I don't have a car, I'm limited with my freedom of movement because some people do not like me uh, getting the bus, and other they do not like other people driving the bus. Nobody is here for. Uh, uh, making religious people uh, going on a bus in Shabbat. But uh, if their, uh, you know, their beliefs are that they have to impose their, uh, their belief on me, so I cannot live with it. And this is why we need a separation in order for me and for my uh, friends to live to our values and beliefs. And for the other side, for, for religious people, to live up to their religion and, and beliefs and values. This is, this is the, the only thing here. And we could live, I, as I see it, we can live in peace and uh, next to each other. This, this is the, the whole idea. Um, and probably we're not the first in the world that say it because other countries did it before us. Right. It's a very creative approach to what's happening today in Israeli society. And as I said, I think it has some value. And but before we we really jump into the details of it, I'd like to I'd like to float a couple of ideas or uh, just present a way of seeing things. And I'm just curious to hear what you think. Uh, first of all, you, you keep mentioning this word religion uh, over and over again, and I, I think that's part of where the miscommunication comes in. 
for a lot of us, especially those who, uh, what, what you would call the Judeans, not the Israelis, right? Um, I, I think a lot of us don't look at what you call a religion as a religion. I, I think we relate to it more as an indigenous people's ancient culture and way of life. And part of how we, we see it, you know, we spend thousands of years retaining our identity, like holding on to our identity, despite all odds, like we were in exile for a long time and, and no other ancient people was able to hold on to its identity in the way that we were. Like, you don't know where the Moabites are today. You don't know where the Ammonites are today. You don't know where the Canaanites are today, but you know where the Israelites are today. Like we did something, for lack of a better word, that's miraculous. We maintained our identity despite all odds for 2,000 years in exile. That's crazy, to be honest. Like that's actually insane. But we did it. And we did it telling ourselves from generation to generation that we're going to go back to Jerusalem and we are going to rebuild our civilization. You know, like we're not a religion. We're not a nation. We're not a culture. We're, we're more than all those things. We're an entire civilization, kind of like the the Aztecs, right? Like we're an entire civilization. I, I disagree with you with the civilization because I don't think that that the Jewish people are uh, all kind of civilization. I think yeah, we're we have our own own culture, we have our own history. We did something that is truly miraculous, um, but I don't see us as as a different civilization like Aztecs or like the Japanese or something why not we are we grew up in other civilizations we grew up as a, as a nation in the Middle Eastern world affected by the first of all the Egyptians the Babylonians the uh, Greeks the Romans this is well uh, the the Jewish people were uh, born and raised and of course, after that, uh, if you look at the last 500 years, we mostly grew up in uh, two different civilizations. The one is the Western world. The other one is the Arab world. Um, back in the day when everybody lived happily and and uh, in peace uh, with each other. Uh, of course, I'm kidding. But you know, this uh, we we grew up as a, as a nation um, separated, and of course now the the separation is not about who comes from Arab countries and who comes from Western countries because we are already mixed, uh, to, you know, with each other. But the the main issue here, and as I come to it, back again is the how you perceive your uh if you don't want it to call it religion how you perceive your culture how how do you perceive your uh, uh your uh, civilization you you perceive yourself as, as an other civilization from the western world i see myself as a part of it that that's exactly that's exactly the distinction well, I would say, first of all, to push back on you a little bit, when we came out of Egypt, there were two major dominant civilizations at that time. There was Egypt and there was Babylon. And the Egyptians had a solar calendar and the Babylonians had a lunar calendar. 
when we, the first thing we established for ourselves before we even left Egypt, uh, two weeks before we left Egypt, was our own calendar, which was actually a combination of the lunar and the solar calendar. Meaning the fact that we had our own calendar, the fact that we had our own language, the fact that we had our own unique worldview. We had a worldview that was distinct from that of Egypt and distinct from that of Babylon uh, in ancient times. Uh, I'd say that, you know, we had a national component, we had a spiritual component, a territorial component, a legal component, a ritual component, but we're more than the sum of these parts. And, and that's why it's the word civilization. I think civilization is probably the accurate term. But I think today you're right that the distinction, I, I would say it like this, and maybe, maybe this offers us a better language than saying right or left or religious or conservative or uh, liberal or secular. I think all those terms are very Western terms and they might resonate with certain sectors of Israeli society, certainly in give a time, but I'm not sure they really accurately portray a lot of what's going on here. And I think when we superimpose these Western terms and these like Western political frameworks and social frameworks onto Israeli society, we end up making a lot of errors that we don't have to make. So one thing I often use, and I find this helpful, and this really flows with what you're doing, I think this actually fits very nicely with your initiative, is looking at us as at least the two main tribes, you know, like our former president, Ruby Rivlin, yeah. talked about the tribes of Israel, um, talking about Yosef and Yehuda, right? And in ancient times, you know, when you had the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Yehuda, the kingdom of Israel was for yeah. the most part Yosef. Yeravam ben Avat was Yosef, Omri was yeah. Yosef, Ahav was Yosef. Yosef, historically, even according to the Nikubalim, even according to the Kabbalists, Yosef is the part of our people's identity that is, A, very good at managing the material world, very good at making economies and armies and states, um, very concerned with our place among the nations, but at the same time, very influenced by the dominant civilizations of any given period, whether that be Egypt, whether that be Greece, whether that be the United States, very influenced by what's considered to be the most morally advanced and powerful civilization of any given period. Whereas Yehuda, by contrast, Yehuda is much more focused on what makes us different from the rest of the world, what's unique about us, Jerusalem, the Beit HaMikdash, Nebuah, prophecy, Torah, but is for the most part, not as good at politics and statecraft and economics and, and building militaries and technology, etc. Uh, and that's kind of where I see the dividing line today, really. It's not between left and right. It's not between uh, religious and secular. It's really between Yosef and Yuda. And just to illustrate the point, when dealing with almost any social or political issue in Israeli society today, Yosef for the most part, looks at it through the lens of what's considered politically correct in the world today, according to the dominant civilization, whereas Yuda looks at the same issue from the perspective of Jewish history. What would our ancestors have done? What does the Torah say? What's the halakha, right? And I think for the most part, Yehuda looks at Yosef as like, you know, weak Jews disconnected from their identity, having an inferiority complex to other civilizations, whereas Yosef looks at Yuda as extremely backwards and out of touch with the modern world to the point of being dangerous. Uh, you would agree with that? Yeah, I, I can agree with it. Uh, you know, uh, we, we can argue the details, but the main uh, argument here, I think, I can I can agree with. And of course, 
as you say, it's, uh, there, are, there are two the two tribes, Yosef and Yehuda, if you want to call it like this. Um, the problem is that uh, they do not see, and I, and I say it as for, for myself, I do not see the value of, of the Yehuda part. Because, as I, I mentioned, I do not believe in God. And I, I, I'm, I do not see what... I gain from this partnership anymore. And when there is a per partnership, you need your partner to know what he's gaining from it. But what about just identity, roots, whether there's a God or not? I, I don't, I don't, I have, I have my own identity. I feel very um, secure with my identity as, as a secular and uh, Israeli, as, as a part of the Western world. As a liberal, as a, as a, as yourself, as you said it, okay. I am very uh, confident with it. I do not need the Yehuda part to tell me what my roots are. I don't need Yehuda to tell me what my beliefs are. I do not need Yehuda to uh, to uh, impose on me uh, what they think is right. So. Point is that I can live without Yehuda and continue my life as it is, and Yehuda probably cannot do it for now because they have relinquished their uh, their power in the uh, physical world. A lot of them, of course, there are a lot of people that do believe and do work and see themselves as part of this tribe. But as a society, they quit. They quit the the, the, the physical world. No, you're, you're and, talking about Yisachar. That's Yisachar. The Haredim are not Yehuda. Oh, okay, okay. I I thought that you that they're orbiting tribes. Like I would, I, I go deep. I have a whole article on this. I can send you. Okay, but, I would love to to read it. I I, like uh, I would argue the Israelis, the Jewish Israelis, who vote for Palestinian parties in the elections would be the tribe of Dan and the Kahanistim are Shimon, like meaning there's like orbiting tribes. Uh, I, so so I didn't follow you the for for the whole uh, idea of the tribes. Yeah, but this is interesting. Uh, sent me the, the article. And and yet um even if you take part of some part of, of the physical world as you say it, I, I don't need I don't need the Yuda part to, to lecture me about what's being a Jew, what's being uh, an Israeli, what's being a Zionist. I am a Zionist for myself. I don't need anyone to tell me what, what should I do in order to be a Zionist. I don't get grades for it. Uh, I know that what Zionism is. And actually, uh, if you look at Herzl, he was on my side because he wanted a state that is separated uh, from these beliefs. The Zionism was revolutionary in, yes. in this part. The old, old uh, Jewish world renounced Herzl. They hmm. told him he was crazy. They told him that uh, it's not going to happen. And even in 1948, when Ben-Gurion tried to to get the country started so of course there were a lot of of rabbis that 
uh, didn't want it to happen. And, you know, some of them, of course, there was uh, the Rav Kook that was all for it and, and was okay with it. But there were a lot of other rabbis that uh, didn't want this idea to happen because they wanted to to uh, wait for the Sayyid to come. And it's just, uh, they, he had to make compromises for them uh, in order to get the country started. And we pay the prices for these compromises. And I think that we have paid enough. And now uh, we have to get a new agreement. First of all, I'm going to make the radical argument that uh, Rav Kook's understanding of the Torah was much deeper and higher than all of the rabbis who opposed and, and more consistent. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the judge for it. <laughs> Number two, want to judge for it. But, but the other, but the other claim I'll make is just for the, you know, just for the historical record, Herzl died relatively young at the age of 44 and was on a journey. His trajectory was towards embracing Jewish identity, and that was we don't know where that journey would have led him had he lived longer. Well, we can only assume, but of course, if you read his uh, books and his ideas, yeah. So Herzl was. First of all, he was Jew in his uh, ethnicity, mm -hmm. not not in his culture. By the way, he was more German, I think, than huh. Israeli or right. Jewish. Also, Jabotinsky was very Russian, and Nordau was. I mean, all of the great Zionist leaders were really yeah. very because they thought something new, and uh, of course, it 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 had evolved because. Uh, even today, Zionism and, and Israel itself is nothing like they have ever imagined because the world is has changed, has evolved. And in the past 150 years, uh, there's nothing, you know, they, they couldn't even imagine the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it was unperceivable back then. And I, I think even for now, uh, for us, it's still, we do not uh actually get what what will have really happened there and they could not uh see how technology will come through and of course the whole world is is different so we have to adapt for it and this is actually what makes jews uh the jewish people very unique we are the the uh, the perfect adapters we knew how to to get along or they survive in any condition. Uh, you know, if you if you compare us to other nations that you mentioned before that did not survive this uh, two thousand years period, uh, we have the ability to adapt ourselves and survive. And what I uh, actually what I propose now is an adaptation. This is what it is: an adaptation for a new reality where there are two main tribes that could not live together. And if we want to learn from history, so we can see what the uh, what happened to Jerusalem when two different pets uh, were stuck in there together for too long under the Roman siege. So maybe if they lived, maybe if the siege was in two cities that were divided or Maybe if they have divided the city itself with its resources, they might not burn it to the ground. 
and, and so so basically yeah i'm adapting to to the new reality because uh if i would not adapt i would not survive so let me paraphrase what i think what i think you're saying and and a lot of other people have said that basically until now the state of israel has been run by those who believe who who are really coming from a perspective of ideological liberalism like israel is a liberal state and israel has been run by people who want to be part of the west and uh, identify as part of the west almost like a rhodesia like a like, like a um a western like ehud barak said a villa in the jungle like basically yeah. a western a western outpost in the middle east in the semitic region um and now it appears that the wrong israelis uh have had too many kids and are taking too much power politically political power and um and there's a danger of them imposing their world view on everyone else meaning until now the way i think israeli society has functioned is there's an uh, an ideological paradigm of liberalism and everybody can do what they want within that meaning somebody can be observant of the torah somebody can be not observant of the torah somebody could uh, whatever you know and and as long as everybody's kind of buying into this paradigm of liberalism and now there's this other ideological paradigm that appears to be gaining power and it's scary because what does it look like like you said it it kind of it reminds people of uh, hamas or iran like what what is going to happen in this country are we going to turn into a giant Haredi community are we going to turn into a jewish iran and, and and i i think that there was this idea that the bagats the supreme court would was this institution that would be led by liberal elites that would protect the country from being changed by these primitive forces that are gaining power electorally uh, and now that the power of the supreme court is being threatened this new idea that you're presenting uh, seems to be another way to protect the identity of what israel was supposed to be israel as a liberal western state i guess functioning as an outpost of american power well you're 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 very close to it okay you're very close to it but of course well first of all there there is no wrong kind of israelis gain power but yeah there is a different kind of power rising uh mostly by the way dem demographically and uh this power is if you uh, to put it straightforward is unsustainable because it will destroy itself in the end and will destroy all of us in the process so as i see something that threatens me and my future and my uh future generations here in in my home so yeah i i would not i would not accept it and um if this power is uh trying to to impose its values on me because as you said it israel was born as a liberal country where each of us can live practically as he wants to uh of course the laws and of course the the you know there is a framework to what you can do and what you can't do but you can practice whatever you want and when a new power comes which tells me look 
the way you want to live is not okay anymore. You can't live like that. You can't do it because it offends me. Not because it's harmful, not because it's uh, uh, doing damage, not because it's uh, uh, um, you know risking lives or taking our money. No, because we don't feel like it. Just so you know, the perspective of those who would take that position. I don't know who's told you what you can or can't do in your life, but uh, but if anybody has, it's it's probably because they do see it as damaging. Meaning we're taught in our Torah that Israel survives, Israel wins wars, Israel has economic success when we're loyal to the Torah. So yeah, of course, of course, of course, you you said that, that way, but even the Torah it's not really clear about it because uh, for about 250 years the kingdom of Israel was the uh, more success, successful uh, kingdom yeah. and they did not practice uh, uh, the, the the religion well they did they, they did and they didn't they did uh, they, they did they didn't because most most of the citizens weren't maybe the the royal house did. Uh, some of them, of course, because th there were, you know, periods. Uh, but for about 250 years, uh, it, it, it was the better kingdom. And uh, for an unfortunate uh, uh, event, they were the ones that were destroyed first um, by, by the Babylonians. You mean the Assyrians? But yeah. you cannot link it. You cannot link it historically for religious belief or uh, or or even for the separation of the kingdom of israel because it it happened so much uh, you know further uh, in history 250 years you cannot link it it's like saying that you know that the uh, i don't know the french lost uh in for the german army because uh, napoleon uh, did something in in Waterloo. It just doesn't add up. It's something else. So it, it's part of the story we tell ourselves. Meaning that's something yeah, it's a, it's, that, that's about it. It's it's a part of a story. It's not facts. It's not backed by anything. It's just a story. And and you have to understand that you have a story, but this story has to be backed with with uh, facts and and data. And when you don't have facts and data. So the story is just an opinion and not a based one, and nobody has to respect it. This is this is it. If it's a story, I, I, you know, Lord of the Rings is a great story. Uh, Harry Potter is a great story. If I'll tell you that I believe in the gods of, of Tolkien, um, you will laugh at my face, and, and rightfully so, because it's not backed by anything but a book. Except this so, is this is the story that the children of Israel have been telling ourselves for thousands of years. Yeah, and, and yet and yet it's not backed by anything. But of course, I I do not hear uh, to to mock religion or or beliefs. I just say that you cannot impose values uh, according for a story that you believe in, which is not backed by anything. Uh, you, you you can believe it, of course. I I. I it might be backed by the fact that the Jewish people survived for 2,000 years. So, so I say that the fact that the Jewish people survived is by adapting themselves to, to the new reality. And um, the, the uh, Orthodox Jews are the least adaptive 
of all the pacts of the Jewish people. So if they're the least adaptive, so probably they are the least Jewish of the, the, all Jewish people. This is, this is as, as I see, this is if you want to go there, because not, not that I disrespect the Orthodox Jews, but I just see it as, okay, so I, I see uh, Judaism as a part of it, as being adaptive and the, le the least uh, the least adaptive you are the least jewish you are so this is a one other way to look at it i'd so, be uh, curious I, i'd be curious to see the data first of all i'm i'm coming from the perspective that like all denomination look even the word the truth is even the word judaism is only a couple hundred years old you won't find the word yahadut in the torah anywhere you won't find it in the mishnah anywhere you won't find it in the uh in the gemara anywhere The word, the concept of a religion called Judaism is very recent. For the most part, it's a product of the Haskalah. And all these denominations like Reform and Orthodox and Conservative are really just, they're really just colonized versions of Jewish identity. They're different layers, different levels of Jewish colonization. But I, I would say, if, if again, you're speaking scientifically, those of us who were the most adaptable over the centuries are probably not with us anymore. They they probably splintered off and became something else at some point in history. Like really those who stayed with us, meaning all the Jews who are here today, are for the most part the great-grandchildren of people who lived like our ancestors and saw the world through the lens of our ancestors. So adaptation, you know, adaptation could come in many ways. Um, in many uh, you know if even if you look at the at the at the world of, of animals so there are animals that are more you know young uh, and and animals that are like alligators or uh, crocodiles that are much older and evolution did little to to change them uh, but if you look at something like even human beings So, of course, we adapted in a whole other way to the world. So, yeah, there are, there are many kinds of, of adaptations to, to a changing world. But if you are um, refusing adaptation, if you re refuse change, so refusing change is... Uh, not adapting, and even the Jewish communities in in Europe, in 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 the Arab world, they knew how to adapt. They moved. They uh, they had new um, new practices every once in a while. You know, uh, a lot of stuff happened uh, during this 2000 years uh, era, and of course, a lot is going to happen in the next 100 years era. So, because you know, uh, as technology. Uh, advances the history goes on faster and faster so uh, we have to adapt faster and faster and and if you if if people here in Israel are trying to stop us from adapting to the world um, in order to to uh, preserve a story it is a beautiful story by the way but still a story And in order to preserve it, they are willing to risk us all. So I'm not willing to participate in it. And I respect their, uh, their right to, to uh, try to preserve it, but not on my account.
And this is why we need to separate because I want one way of life and they want another way of life. And these two ways of life cannot live together in the same house. They will destroy each other. It's not just a story. It's an idea that we're taking humanity somewhere. It's a conception of a mission. There's a notion that we have a mission in history. You know, every time the Jewish people have had power in history, we've benefited humanity. And uh, like, for example, the whole concept of a weekend is something that we gave to the world. And we haven't figured that out yet. We're 75 years old and uh, we, we're still trying to figure out how not to be an apartheid state. And it's it's complicated. Uh, we, we're complicated. We're complicated people. Um, but it's not just, again, it's not just a story. It's an idea that we're taking humanity somewhere. But in order to do it, we first need to be a solid, not just a gas. We need to be independent in our land with self-determination, uh, able to influence humanity as another, you know, as a nation on the world stage and not just as like scattered Jewish communities all over the world. Um, but now I, I want to get into this plan of yours. The way I see it, look, I told you what I think the Judean side uh, would need to do if we stuck together, really understand and internalize the fears and concerns of, of your side. Uh, but I think what your side would need to do if we were to stay together and, and maybe even if we were to separate would be to figure out what it could mean to make space for people with a radically different way of looking at the world. Everything you expressed, meaning is there a way, just like I, I say the failure of Western multiculturalism is that it's shallow and at the end of the day, it's all about capitalism and liberal ideology. No matter where somebody comes from, no matter what kind of foods they eat, they could eat with chopsticks, they could drink beer on St. Patrick's Day, but at the end of the day, everybody is meant to, to chase the American dream. So here we have this similar situation. We have completely different worldviews, right? The, the tribe of Yudah and the tribe of Yosef have completely different value systems, prioritizations of values, worldviews, identities, etc. Can we create a model? And it might be the model you're presenting. I'm, that, that's what I'm really wondering. Can we create a model for the world that shows how people with radically different ways of seeing the world can share? can live together either in a single state, sharing power. But by the way, I'll tell you the truth is the the people who voted for Smotrich and Avi Maoz and Ben Gvir, they don't want to replace the Zionists. They want to share power with the Zionists. They want to be partners, not pawns, but partners. I think until now, a lot of the national religious, the national religious sector have felt that they're like, uh, you know, you've seen the sign like Israq Sukbet. Not just the, the national religious. I think also Mizrahim. I think also Haredim. I think a lot of different groups in Israeli society have experienced themselves as kind of second class, as less important. And I think what a lot of uh, the political leaders are really trying to say is we want to be equal partners. And I think that's a legitimate request given the numbers and the trajectory of society. But I, I think what the Yosef side is perceiving is that Yudah wants to take over and replace them. Uh, and I think those are, are that, that's separated from the reality. I think what the Yudah side really wants to do is share power with Yosef and be a partner. Uh, but maybe that can't work. Maybe we have to separate. The, the question is, for, for me, the only way I'd be willing to accept something like this and promote something like this is if we shared a very strong layer of identity. 
you know, if on the one hand we lived in different parts of the country and were able to organize our communities in ways that fit our cultures and our worldviews and, and our values, while at the same time sharing an economy, sharing an army, sharing a sense of peoplehood, like not, you know, okay, we're different tribes, we're still Amisra, you know what I mean? Like not two different nations. You you talk about the federation, not a... Right, yeah, maybe, maybe a federation would work better in my mind than a two-state solution. Uh, so so let, let me be frank with you. In my view, if there was a constitution, mm-hmm. and, and the, on this constitution, the separation of power from the federal administration and the local administration was very uh, strong and very protected you know that that no one you know even if you have like 75 percent uh, of of the votes you you cannot rule it out because this is the the base of 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 your country um so i might have considered it but i simply don't trust them i don't trust them to be partners i don't trust Their, their goodwill. I don't trust... You know a lot of them? Will... What? You know a lot of them? Yeah, I have many, many uh, friends that live, uh, you know, Haredic friends and, and, and religious friends, and people who voted Benvir, and people who voted Smotrich, and friends that voted uh, to Arya Deri. And I, I, know, I know a lot of people uh, from that side. And you don't trust them? I don't know. I don't trust their um, their political leaders to respect me. And even when I talk to them, yeah, politically, I don't trust them to respect me and, and my freedom when they are in power. I might like them as, as, as friends, but as political partners, I don't trust them. Because politics, and I know pol- politics, in politics you don't have friends. You have partners and you have interests. This is politics. You have to admit it. And, and when you're, you enter politics, if you don't trust your partner, and by the way, this is, this is what happened in, in Israeli politics, yeah, with Netanyahu and everything, that a lot of, of uh, uh, the opposition uh, parties don't want to sit with him because they just don't trust him. They right. do not trust him to, to work with them Uh, with honesty and dignity this this is the point here and and I don't want to you know to to enter the yes Netanyahu or not Netanyahu this is this is not the issue but this has happened and I don't trust Smotrich and I don't trust Benvir and I don't trust uh, Ari Deri and and Netanyahu uh, I don't trust them to to be partners i don't trust that they will say yeah we just want to share power with you to be equal with you no i don't trust it i, I their actions speak louder than their, their words and their words are not particularly good they're, they're they're not speaking about sharing power they are speaking about imposing power of, of controlling This is what we're talking about, and they act like it. And the I, I appreciate 
you you trying to calm down the the uh you know to to show us the other side of um more um moderate part of it but the leaders are, are not there i i don't see it i follow them i know what they're saying this is not what they are saying i'll tell you i'm not i don't know if i'm such a moderate myself i would argue i, I would say this i probably share an identity with Bezalel Smotrich, I probably share an, an interpretation of Torah, I share an understanding of Jewish history, Jewish identity with him, uh, what we're doing here, but I differ with him on many political conclusions. I think we have very different political conclusions. Uh, and I also think that this is like the first wave of national religious politicians that feel empowered. You know, like until now, I think most of the national religious politicians have been for the most part, happy to play like a junior role in a state run by the westernized elites. And this is the first wave of national religious politicians and Haredi politicians basically saying, no, like we have power, we don't have to be ashamed, we're just as good, etc. But I'm hopeful that something's going to come after them, meaning uh, they're just the beginning of it and they're a little bit raw and they're a little bit uh, offensive, obviously. But I'd like to see what comes next. I, I'm speaking as somebody who's very inside that community. You know, I live, I live in their world. I live, I live in the West Bank. I live in Northern Yuda. I teach in their institutions. I send my children to their institutions. I'm definitely part of that world. But maybe, you know, I could have different experiences. Maybe I read different books. Maybe I, I grew up in New York City, so I have a different way of looking at the world. Uh, but I really do, I, I think, I do a good job expressing how people are really feeling meaning and i think in that community the feeling is that somebody else's values had been imposed on them uh until now and there are some you're, you're right there are some and probably the political leaders more than others who come and say okay now we have power but uh, but i think most really believe that the way forward is a partnership where we're respecting one another and seeing the value and, and, and understanding 100% that we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't even be having these conversations if not for Yosef, meaning it was Yosef that brought us back to life. It was Yosef that was the Zionist movement. It was Yosef that created the infrastructure for the state and uh, maybe not fought the British. We could argue maybe the Lehi and the Etzel were not Yosef. I don't know. But definitely... By the way, the Etzel was, was uh, more, uh, I think, more uh, Yosef than even the, the uh, Aganah. You know what? You're right. Uh, but I think... Yeah, they, they, were, they, were, they were liberals. They, they were more liberals than, than the, you know, Jabotinsky is, is more liberal than Ben-Gurion. Yeah, but I, I would argue that Begin was actually not a pure student of Jabotinsky. I would argue that Begin is somewhere between Yair Stern and Jabotinsky. But he claimed to be Jabotinsky's uh, heir. You, you might say it. You might say it, but, uh, but uh, you know, it's not only Begin uh, was in the ESL, but uh, yeah, they, they were more national, uh, mm -hmm. but still connected with, you know, with Western uh, economics and army and, and you know, they they uh, were very much uh, Yosef, as as you put it. 
but but lehi less I, even though a lot of lehi were marxists i would say that they were coming from a deep place of jewish history and jewish identity uh, and and i would make the argument that it was actually lehi who defeated the british they just dragged the etzel behind them into the conflict but they started fighting five years earlier four years earlier i i i uh actually don't know uh enough of it. i i know a bit of it but i don't know enough of of the lehi and the etzel history to to make a, an argument a smart argument about it sure. uh, fair enough yeah, always yeah, good yeah. to know what we don't know yeah yeah this is actually this is one uh part of my identity that you know uh, you have to know uh, as, as as i said um you have to know what you don't know and if you don't believe something you you have to know what you do not believe so of course uh this is this is actually why it was so important for me to know a lot about the the bible and then judaism and, and religion because as as someone who came from secular background i uh felt that i need to know it in order to say that i'm truly secular uh, or, or truly a non-believer than just you know saying ah yeah i, I didn't grow up like this so uh, well, when you it was say, important for me you when you say secular is what you really mean western and no no i i mean atheist oh okay okay yeah this is what i mean i i'm uh, like the, the the purest uh uh meaning of it. no not what you know you can you can be atheist and and uh, you can be secular and and uh, uh chinese you can be secular and japanese you can be secular and and african this is this is not, not uh western uh thing not believing in god i think the the western conception of god is very different from what our ancestors believed in yeah but, but it, it it doesn't matter you you, you just you know I, i don't believe in anything unnatural so this is this is uh, uh the, 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 well this is uh, we we crossed from from the the main issue there but yeah as, as i see it so i think that if we come back to the leaders that you elected uh as a society uh and and you say yeah we have a different view of, of things that we want to share power but the people that you have elected don't show it and it seems that you don't want to to put there anyone besides them at least for for the time being so if you have elected someone that you claim they do not represent you um and and you still elect him over and over again so he, there are two options or you elect very poorly or you elect someone that though that does uh, uh represent you and you just not seeing yourself in the middle uh you think you want to share power but you don't want to share power you want to impose power on you. you want to control you. and this is something that i cannot live with i cannot uh, sustain uh, someone trying to control my personal life i cannot sustain someone that will not accept me and my beliefs as they are like i respect your beliefs as they are because i think that if you want 
uh, 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 to to marry or or uh, you know eat as a uh, kosher or um, uh, I don't know you, you want to pay for a rabbi for uh, guidance that's okay I have no problem with it this is your personal life but when you try to tell me that I cannot do stuff by myself because it offends your feelings so what about my feelings because I'm offended with some stuff but I do not try to to control you I I, I don't think that uh, there should be any any concern of the of the government with what we're doing in our personal life and this is probably the the main issue here that we probably would not uh, agree on uh, with our uh, basic values and identities that big part of of your identity is trying to sell your story to me even that I won't don't want to buy it and I just don't want to sell you anything I don't want you to be secular like me I don't want you to be an, an atheist this is it I just want you to let me live in peace this but, is what I'm that, that's and, a fundamental difference because Western civilization puts the um, material well-being and the wants and the needs of the individual at the center and the Hebrew civilization puts the moral well-being of the collective at the center uh, so so yeah I, 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 as I said it I'm a part of the Western world mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm Israeli I'm Jewish I'm Western a part of the Western world I accept the Western liberalism as my moral code not the Hebrew biblical moral code I prefer the Western liberal moral code within my uh, life and even if you say it's Hebrew even if you say it's ancient I don't have to accept it I don't want to accept it and and uh, you have all the right to have your own moral code of course can I ask you a question about the map that you presented uh yeah but let me tell you something about the map the map is is uh you know it's a draft it's not uh a... the map is very interesting the draft of the map is very interesting I'm, I'm just curious um why do you want Beit Shan why don't you want Petah Tikva why do you want Svat I mean there are certain things that just didn't make uh so much sense to me like meaning why can't we have Svat um well first of all uh there were three uh three issues three goals three components that I considered when I built this map first and the easiest one probably was just looking at the, the results of voting and, and you know and, and it wasn't as simple as you think because I didn't take all the you know if you voted Likud so you're uh, 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 you done if you voted uh, Yeshatid you are Israel because a lot of Likud voters of more Israel than than Yehuda. So I made some calculations and some formula, and so this was the the first draft. 
After that, I uh, thought about national um, resources and, and you know, uh, like ports and water resources, and, and, uh, you know, a lot of, of, of other stuff, like uh, even uh, in airports and uh, electricity, so that each country will have enough uh, assets. And the last one was uh, continuity, because country, most countries, you know, very big ones, maybe if you look at the United States with Alaska and, and Hawaii, uh, stuff like this, but little countries, they need continuity with geography. To be contiguous. Yeah, continuous geographically, because uh, if you put Bechan um, and, and Sfat inside Judea, so yeah, it might, it just might not work because, uh, and, and this is why Petah Tikva is, is in Judea, because uh, it's just, uh, of course, it is also a very conservative and, and re there is a, a big religions, uh, religious religious uh, uh, society, uh, community in, in, in Petah Tikva. But uh, that was basically to keep Nebrak, uh, which is a very big Haredi uh, city, inside Yehuda, because uh, uh, I don't see how they fit in Israel in, in any way. So yeah, that, that that's part of the problem. But also, this is the first draft, and you have to remember that after that there will be... Uh, the first stages of separation, because we talk about uh, uh, a, a city union. So, and, and after that, some autonomy, and after that, a federalization. So what happens to a liberal that lives in, in let's say, Texas? What what he's doing? If he can, if he's not accepting the, the way of, of the uh, Texan government, what can he do? He can leave. He lives for for California, for New York, for you know other other state. So this will this what hap will happen also here because there will be some kind of cantons, and and you know if if you live in in uh, religious uh, part of Israel, so you and you are uh, liberal and you are, you are secular, so you will move to another part and vice versa. So, uh, basically, the map is only for illustration. Is you can't take it uh, as as a final uh, the final borders, of course. And um, you know there there will be changes, but I think that these principles that we should keep of continuity, we should keep. Uh, assets to each side uh, as fairly as, as possible and to to uh, you know to be considerate on on where people live um, and to make the least amount of people to have to move when there is a separation so I think th these are my were my main goals building this map of course it will be uh, different uh, and you know I, I am not the one to to decide where the borders will go through 
unless unless I'm, I'm voting for it by the by the public and then of course I will I want to do it by myself but with a you know with other people with the other side talking to them this is a just a draft one thing the map didn't make clear is what about the Palestinians so uh, the map doesn't make it clear but I will make it clear to you all the Palestinians um, they are they live in the West Bank Oh, no, when I say Palestinians, I also mean in Yafo and Akko and Haifa. Oh, okay. So so let, let's separate these for, for two parts. One part is Arab Israelis, which are, uh, they will be full full, citizen, full citizens um, of Israel or Yuda, and uh, they will have, they will decide. And I think that, by the way, uh, some Arabs, will choose to live in Yehuda, which will be more religious country because they don't want to live in a secular country and they will uh, try to get along with with the, the, the Jewish uh, the, the Jewish religion and, and you know how the state uh, will run because they do, don't want to live in, in a secular country but so they will have but they will choose like any other citizen of Israel. Uh, like you can choose to live in give a time or or in Jerusalem or uh, I don't know wh- where do you live where you didn't mention I live on a mountain just north of Betel near near Betel okay so you probably you you can choose whatever you like to live and uh, you will be a citizen with full rights and 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 full responsibilities as a citizen and the Arab uh, citizens of Israel will have to choose the same way you you choose. For the Palestinians in in the West Bank and uh, so, basically, um, there are two populations that want this era area, uh, the West Bank, the Palestinians and the Judean the uh, Judeans. And uh, you have to fight for it with yourself. I have no interest fighting for it for you or against you. I just don't care about this place, I'll, to be frank with you. I don't want to send my children to, to serve there. I don't want uh, I don't want anything to do with it. And if you want it that much, go on and 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 claim it for yourself but it's on you to to decide and it's on you to uh to figure out the the problems that it will uh, uh make you because you will have to take responsibility for it i'm done taking responsibility for you guys same with gaza right so we can take gaza what? back if we want to take gaza back we can take gaza back too you can try uh, you and what army uh well there is a reason um, there is a reason that uh, Israel withdrew from Gaza. Yeah, his name is George W. Bush. And and there is there is a reason that uh, Gaza is not not so easy to to take on, uh, even with the current IDF. So if you like it, um, well, I'm not for it, of course. But if you want, try and do it by yourself. I'm not gonna help you with it. I'm going I I'm willing to to uh offer you uh, defensive backs that if someone like Egypt or Jordan or Saudi or Iran 
tries to attack you. So uh, I will be happy to to help you defend yourself uh, with any means necessary. I don't want the destruction of, of Judea, but uh, I'm not willing to take part in, aggress in aggressions. Uh, and, and if you want to take Aza or you want to... Sinai. Yeah, and, and it's an, you can try and do whatever you like, but it will be on you and your responsibility. I don't think, by the way, that even the current IDF can take on Sinai right now. Uh, the Egyptian army is, is pretty strong. You can try and do... You will be your own country. This is the beauty of it. You can go and try your campaigns against... You can try and conquer Iran uh, if you like. I would not support it. I'm against it. Uh, I'm against, you know, uh, trying to take uh, Gaza or, or trying to to um, proclaim uh, the, the West back. But if you like it, try and do it. This is on you. This is your responsibility. This is taking responsibility for your life. Sure. So, would a Palestinian, so, would a Palestinian living in Jenin or Beit Lechem? who wants to live in a westernized modern state have the option to move to the new Israel? Why so? He's not a citizen. He's not a citizen. There will be a... Let's uh, say we make him a citizen. Let's say we make him a citizen of Yehuda. No. He decides he'd rather... No, no, no. After, after the separation, it's not that you can live in Yehuda and, 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 uh, and decide that you're a citizen of, of Israel. There will be... Uh, the time to to decide it and after the separation that's it you're you're uh, living in, in uh, Yehuda you're not a citizen of Israel you you can visit it you can uh, uh, uh you know you can enter with no could they apply for a citizenship let's say there let's say there's yeah a... you can apply and and you know it's not it's not the Hokashvut anymore it's not that you can say oh yeah I'm Jewish let me um, no, you, you can get in, of course, but you can get the citizenship. There will be, uh, uh, you know, uh, an immigration policy by the government. They will decide it. And if you're capable, you know, like in, in the United States, or Canada, or any other Western country. So, yeah, if, if you're up to it, maybe we will accept you. And if you're not, so probably you will have to look for other options so if the palestinian from jenin want to live in a western country so he can try and and apply for citizenship in the new new israel and he can apply for citizenship in canada and he can apply for citizenship in in the united kingdom and probably he will get rejected in new israel um not for him uh being palestinian but for him not uh, being uh, able to to immigrate uh, with the with the current uh, policy. What if his grandparents or great grandparents had to flee Haifa in 1948? Or had... uh, uh, again, the, when your grandparents or grand grandparents had to flee Haifa, that's it. That's there. You're not a, a citizen. There is no Chokashvut. That's it. No law of return. No law of return. No. There will be no law of return. Okay, okay, and no, and no open door policy to Palestinian refugees who might want to come back to Yafo or to Akko or to. No, it's the same way. It goes. It goes both way, both ways. If you're 
if there is no law of return for Jewish, there will be no law of return for Palestinians. And are there any... Now it goes one way, uh, which I probably prefer it that way, yeah, but because uh, I don't think that Israel can could manage uh, millions and millions of uh, refugees, uh, uh, grandkids that uh, will want to come here. Uh, but yeah, I think that the law of return has made itself... Uh, if people wanted to come and move to Israel, they had their 75 years to do it, and that's it. Um, now we'll, we'll have to make an immigration policy, like a grown-up country. We're not infants anymore. We're 75 years old. So, so before I let you go, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Are there any politicians today or any political parties who are seriously considering your proposal? Um, if, even if there was, I, I would not uh, talk about it, mm -hmm. uh, but it's pretty early, uh, we are up just a few months, and uh, I have some politicians that are interested in the idea, and, and probably there will be some offers uh, in the future, uh, but it, it's not for now, because we don't have elections for the Knesset in the near future. And uh, so probably uh, if it will come, so I'll, I will consider it. But from your perspective, this is really the only way to save the Israel that you love, what you consider to be your home. This is not the only way, but it's the most sustainable and, and long-term solution for our problem. There are other ways, but they will last uh, shorter time and you've said that you, you you said on the show if i understood you correctly that you would be willing to entertain a federal model if the uh, local level of governance was strong enough that uh, the federal level couldn't impose on it yeah I, i'm willing to i'm willing to accept federation and even uh, less than it if mm -hmm. we see that uh, the government, the, there is a, a true defense on, on the separation of power from, from the central government. Mm -hmm. If we will see that there is no such way to, to continue, even in federal, federal regime, that the government is not um, balanced, so we will continue with the separation. But if we will see that there is a, that we have found another way that is sustainable for at least, let's say, another 75 years or 100 years. So, yeah, we will probably settle down because it's not about, as I say, it's not about hate. It's about the love of freedom. And if I will see that my freedom is guaranteed, I will be settled. I, I, I will be happy. Okay, well, um, Nitzan Amit, uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about what you're doing and, and understand the details of this plan a little bit better? Yeah, so uh, we, have, uh, we have a Facebook group. It's called Nuata Ibardut in Hebrew. And we have a, a Twitter account. 
and uh, it's also called Tnuat Haipardut. You can uh, look it at Haipardut, uh, H-A-H-I-P-A-R-D-O-O-T. And we also have a TikTok and, and, and uh, Instagram pages. And soon there will be a, a website. So we have a lot of, a lot of media uh, places that you, you can follow us. And that's it. Nitzan Amit, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was a delightful uh, conversation, even if we do not agree about anything, but I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And if listeners are interested in checking out the show notes for this episode, uh, you can go to visionmag.org backslash the next stage 104.